0: During the challenge, each day, you'll receive two free meditations, one for the morning and one for the evening. These guided meditations will help you unlock a happier and healthier you, plus, you'll get exclusive access to two live webinars with me where I'll answer your meditation questions. And best of all, you'll be joining a like-minded, supportive community, making the commitment to change their lives by building a meditation practice that brings meaningful results. Whether you're brand new to meditation or a seasoned meditator, I really hope you'll join us starting on January 28th. Go to hayhousecom slash five days to join now and download a free PDF where I share five ways to boost your meditation practice. That's hayhouse.com forward slash the number five, D-A-Y-S.
1: Let Dr. Wayne W. Dyer take you on a voyage of discovery where you can begin to tap into the amazing manifesting powers that you possess. As a loyal podcast listener... Hay House would like to offer the ebook version of Wishes Fulfilled, Mastering the Art of Manifesting to you for free for a limited time to help you learn how to obtain what you truly desire. You're invited to open yourself up to a new way of experiencing life by imagining exactly what you would like to manifest for yourself. By using your imagination and practicing the art of assuming the feelings of your wishes being fulfilled. You will discover that you possess the ability to become the person you were destined to be. Get your free Wayne Dyer ebook now at HayHouse.com/slash manifest. That's HayHouse.com slash manifest.
2: Welcome
3: to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the
2: power of your mind creates your world.
3: Pleased to have Dr. Wayne Dyer here, and I'm going to let you introduce our very special guest.
2: Thank you, Summer. How are you today?
3: I'm great. Looking forward to this show. I think it's going to be
2: fascinating. beautiful, beautiful day. Just got out of the ocean, and uh, now we're going to talk to uh, one of the great people, uh, on this planet today, one of the uh, one of my <clears throat> dear friends, a mentor, teacher, colleague, uh, someone that I've admired for many, many, many years. We've uh, traveled around the world and and spoken on t- different programs together down in Australia, around the United States. One of the really, really inspiring people uh, speaking about consciousness and all of the wonderful things. Uh, Ann Williamson. Hi, Marianne. Hey,
3: how are you, Wayne?
2: I'm just great. How are you doing?
3: Fine, and thank you for that generous uh, introduction, and you and I are just getting started also.
2: I know that. <laughs> I, I I agree with that completely. Well, anyway, we're going to do a whole day together, but uh, and we're going to take calls today. I don't know how long you're going to be able to stay on, but if I'll you can stay with us.
3: I'll be as
2: long as you want me to. Oh, great, Then we'll stay for the whole show. Uh, so that if you're calling in from uh, any place in the country or around the world, uh, and you have any questions typically that you would ask for me, I'll talk to you about them. Marianne will talk to you. We'll dialogue about it. And make it a great show. But at the beginning, let's talk a little bit about um, about you, Marianne, and what you were doing. You burst onto the scene. Oh, How many years ago was it? With, uh, Return? 23.
3: I started lecturing uh, in Los Angeles in 1983. So that's 24 years ago. And my first book was in 1992. So we've been around for a while, haven't we?
2: Yes, we have, yeah. And so you were, you were doing lectures uh, on The Course in Miracles um, when, it, uh, when hardly anybody even knew what The Course in Miracles was, isn't yeah, that true? Yeah,
3: starting in 83, right. Yeah.
2: And wasn't, w- w- weren't you involved with Louise as well at that time?
3: Yeah, well, Louise and I, during the 1980s, were both uh, doing a lot of work with uh, people with AIDS in Los Angeles. And that was, of course, really the same group. And she used to have, I can't, I think it was on Wednesday nights, I think it was called the Hayride, Louise Hay, Hayride, uh, right. for people with AIDS. And then I lectured on Tuesday nights and Saturday mornings. So the two of us were <clears throat> very involved together. And then she was initially on the board of Project Angel Food when, uh, we started that, which was a, uh, program to, Meals on Wheels program for homebound people with AIDS, which still exists, uh, serves a thousand people a day. So yeah, Louise and I were, um,
2: and this was when the uh, when the head? word when the word AIDS wasn't uh, I mean uh, President Reagan I don't think ever <laughs> even mentioned the word did he
3: No and, and of course he realized later that you know he said even I could grow but I think more importantly than his dismissal of the problem for way too long was the fact that just on a pure medical level it was in the early days considered a death sentence you know, it, we really have turned the corner after all these years, and it has become, in many cases, a considered a chronic manageable condition. But in those early right. days of the AIDS crisis, uh, contracting the AIDS virus, that was it. This was, there was, it was beyond incurable. <clears throat> you know, we know mm-hmm. now that, a, you know, a disease can be incurable. Uh, cancer is not necessarily curable all the time. Uh, diabetes isn't curable. But there are ways that people can live long and fruitful lives. Um, right. And that's true now with AIDS, but it wasn't in those days. So the situation had even greater urgency and poignancy. And
2: but there was also a huge stigma attached to that. I mean, anybody who came out and talked <coughs> about it, or supported uh, research for it, or uh, you know funding for it, or, or even counseling and and therapy for people who contacted it was uh, the there was it, was, it was the, were you stigmatized at all well in those even, days?
3: well the situation of course was that it took a long time for the organized religion to get their act together on this issue. Especially mm-hmm. since so many of the people who contracted the AIDS virus were homosexuals, any religious orientation, a lot of the traditional Christians, et cetera, they had, they had to work through their you know the homophobia uh, right. to, to get to it. So I think that Louise and I were standing there talking about a God who loves you unconditionally and a God who works miracles at a time when the organized religious institutions had nothing to say. Um, and so, obviously, I think we, we filled a space that was uh, important. And I think, uh, speaking for her as well as myself, I think we both like to think that we played a part in, in moving all that along.
2: You certainly did. It was certainly, uh, you brought it to the attention of the world and, and in a way. And, and one of the reasons that I've always been so attracted to your work and to you as a, as a human being and as a, as a, a spokesman for, uh, for living a, a life of higher consciousness uh, because you were uh, you were out there, you know, in the forefront doing it uh, when so many people were whispering about it and so uh, so concerned that it might taint their image in some way, including uh, the president of the United States and uh, and most of the people in in on in all positions of power a, a, any place.
3: You know, so gay I men. Applaud you for that. Well, thank you, Wayne. Gay men gave me my career. The gay mm-hmm. men in Los Angeles gave me my career. Really? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, I was this girl and. At that time, I, you know, I was 31 years old. I was over in a corner of Los Angeles talking about miracles. I was a Jewish girl up on a stage talking about Jesus. And when I think about it now, there was an outrageousness to what I was doing and how I was saying it. And it was it was it was the kind of thing that, um, you know, was hardly a mainstream phenomenon. And gay, it just happened to coincide. This historical synchronicity that at the same time that the gay population of los angeles and elsewhere found itself ravaged by this disease uh towards whom they felt no hope you know and about which they felt no hope there happened to be this woman over in the los filas area talking about a god who loves you no matter what and the fact that miracles happen so they flocked to me and they lifted me up and so i just happened to be standing there and
2: yeah but you used the word happened as the. And I think there's a there's a tremendous synchronicity to these kinds of things when we start uh, somehow a, a critical mass has to get started someplace. Right. Uh, I was having dinner last night. Uh, I was over at uh, I'm here on Maui. I was over at Ramdas's house and Deepak Chopra was there. So were the three of us having these these talks last night it was about 20 people uh, at this event that we're holding here on on the island, and we're talking about this concept of of critical mass. Uh, I think one of the phenomenons uh, that uh, you began to introduce was with that kind of thinking, and then uh, the, the Course in Miracles. I mean, the truth is that I didn't even know what the Course in Miracle was until I saw you on Oprah uh, doing uh, the, uh, you know, Return to Love when she didn't Oprah when you wrote your first book. Uh, was that your first book?
3: Yeah, and she gave me my career. And yeah, I mean, you you wrote books before I did, but you certainly remember. I mean, this whole there are so many of us out there now talking about a universal spirituality it's it's hard for people who are you know maybe much younger or sort of later coming onto the scene to realize but it it wasn't at that time the common phenomena that it is now you know i remember that whenever leo buscoglia had written a book on love but other than leo when i came out just talking about love i mean now it seems like well yeah but at that time it was like is that woman talking about love like it was something new and different
2: I know it was, a, but that's that's how <laughs> a critical mass gets started. And I'm, and I think, uh, you know, I think Oprah came on and said, "I bought, I don't know, shouldn't she a say she bought a thousand, a thousand yeah. copies of a hardcover yep. book, and it just, you know, vaulted <laughs> you into the national uh, prominence and into the limelight." Uh, and what basically the message of Return to Love was, I love the word "return." That it's, um, you know, the the assumption is that uh, there that we are coming, we came from a place of love. Right. I mean, all creation is, uh, you know, gets started in an energy field that can only be described as love. And all you were saying is uh, get back there now without having to die, weren't you? Yes, the
3: Course in Miracles says we've taken a detour into fear. And that's really the the story of Exodus, it's the story of Genesis in the Bible. And what fascinates me is that not only in historical terms is this true. In the, in the Course in Miracles it says, in the Bible it says, Adam fell asleep and nowhere does it say that he woke up. Mm -hmm. Not only is it true that over the ages in the history of humanity that we have detoured from the love with which we were created and are now in our great return, or not, but also that we reenact that drama every single moment, that every single moment life emerges from love, and we choose whether or not to stand within that love or to take a detour into judgment, blame, defensiveness, attack, whatever form our fear takes, and then life
2: draws us back to love. It's so. T- and when I think about all the questions, you do a radio show too on uh, on, on the satellite on the Oprah. You're one of the uh, yeah. Uh, Oprah, shows and th- Oprah and friends. You were on my show
3: on once. Remember?
2: Right. And what's the, but what is the station so I can give it a plug? It's XM, the XM XM
3: 156.
2: Yeah. And you're on uh, once a week, is it?
3: I'm on. Well, it's I, I tape once a week, but it's repeated mm-hmm. several times. It begins first yeah. one is on Tuesday, and people can go to Marianne.com and find out. Mm-hmm.
2: So when, when we're talking about return, I'm, I'm just completing a book on the on the Tao called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which will be out later this year. And the 40th verse of the Tao says that returning is the way of the Tao. You know, it's always about returning. And almost every question that I get on my radio show every week uh, has to do with teaching people how to get to a place in their hearts where they are back uh, living living as if they were a piece of God, li- living as if they were in a, uh, acting as if uh, they were God, uh, in a sense. Uh, isn't that basically what your message was at that time? Well,
3: listen, it's, it's not like it was my message. It is my message, because it's o- it's the only no, message I'm talking about, any of us. Yeah, it.
2: Going, but, going back to 1992. Oh, well, yeah, when, it's, when it's this all, all I've happened. ever
3: talked about, really. But mm. I think what's fascinating about that, from a Taoist perspective, is that when people, and you certainly talk about this, when the whole idea of the return isn't something we have to do. We have to just stand there, just be, that the universe is self-correcting. The universe wants to be in that space, and that's very Taoist, and that's what The Course of Miracles calls the holy instant. The universe wants to be in that space. Just stand within it, and if you're not, you know, sometimes you'll say, I am angry right now. I am blaming right now. I feel hurt right now. I know that I'm not in love. And and the beauty of something like the Course in Miracles or Taoism or any serious path of truth, because they all really give the same message, don't they? Is that in that moment you can say, I give up and I surrender. I need something higher than myself to realign my consciousness. Just in that moment of willingness. And and what I love about about the Tao, and Tao Te Ching, you know, when Lao Tzu talks about how the the baby is at the mother's breast. We are to be right. life. Just relax into this moment, and the universe will take you back if you
2: will just stop fighting it. Yeah, it's that divine, the divine feminine. He speaks about that over and over and over again. And and and. But I I think about the you know the people. So many people are uh, are struggling at the uh, with what it is that they want to attract into their lives. So, so almost I would say seventy to eighty percent of the calls that I get on this show are from people who want to be able to manifest and attract something into their life, a a better relationship, more uh, abundance, uh, creating a (laughs) sense of of being able to heal themselves of some kind of infirmity that they may have, whether it's a serious, very serious, life-threatening one or just constantly being in a state of uh, of fatigue or whatever it might be. It's like, how can I create? How can I manifest? How can I attract into my life the things that I want? What, What is, go ahead.
3: I know that this is a little bit, running upstream, swimming upstream against the sort of attitudinal trend of the moment. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question is, how can I be the person God would have me be? I really Mm -hmm. believe that when the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added unto you. You and I both know a perception of lack does not attract abundance. And so, if you're in this attitude of, I need, I need to attract the money, I need to attract the, uh, uh, attract the house, I need to attract this or that, as you just said, seventy, eighty percent of the people, that's what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. But if the core perception is I lack, if your core belief in the middle of that is I lack, which it has to be, if you think you need Mm -hmm. all those things, then you, that core belief is still going to be reflected. And if when you are the person that. When you are aligned with truth in that Taoist way that the Course of Miracles talks about, when you just say, Dear God, make me the person you would have me be so I can do what you would have me do. What I see in my life, Wayne, is that when I'm in my natural state, which is an abundant sense of self, Miracles flow naturally. Of course, I want the best relationships. God wants me to have the house that's perfect for me. God wants me to have the relationships that are perfect. God wants me to have the money that's perfect. God, everything that is perfect for you automatically falls in line when you achieve that divine perfection. But it's not a get mentality; it's a give mentality. and That's,
2: just that's so true, and that uh, you you just about answered. Um, almost every uh, every call that I get is basically going back to that kind of thing If if you believe that, you, if you put your attention or your thoughts on what's missing or what's wrong or what used to be or what ought to be or what other people expect from me, then uh, you're coming from a perspective of attracting more and more and more of what's missing. And this this new thing, this I mean, we talk about critical masses. I think Return to Love was one back in the early 90s. And I think what's going on right now with this the, this book the called Secret, The Secret, yeah. uh, I talked to my publisher this morning. He said it's going to be the largest selling book possibly in history. That's how big, 400,000 copies a week are selling. All right, let's let's uh, let's go on. Uh, well, let's go back to just for a minute, uh, back to the secret. The, this phenomenon, um, the, whether, you know, critical masses are critical masses. And when, when enough people align uh, on a certain frequency, on a certain vibration, uh, things begin to change. I was talking to Reed about this this morning over at Hay House, the, the publisher at Hay House, and saying that this phenomenon is so terrific because it is bringing in millions and millions of people Um, who are becoming aware of something that uh, we've been talking about for, you know, for a long, long time. Uh, You and I and Norman Vincent Peale and people before them. And all of a sudden it's just, it's sort of like coming it together at this exact moment. And I'm just really excited and thrilled about it. How about you?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, on one hand, you sort of can't even believe this many people didn't already know this.
2: I know. But, I know. The you know, the secret is amazing. Isn't I
3: know. It? I know. And there's a there's That's a like lot. That's like saying
2: right? milk is good for you. A secret, you
3: yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. I agree with that. But you know, yeah. if this is what it takes to make people understand, you know, I mean, I know some people who I think it's been such a positive, life changing experience. This film. So I think that part of it is fabulous. I, I I certainly hope that you know we all remember that you know the the beginning is to realize you know you can get your survival needs met more easily maybe than you think but that is just the beginning that ultimately what we all need to be manifesting is peace on earth and children not starving anymore and right. rather than war you know the bigger thing but if you don't so have much the survival the- thing figured out yet fine go do it
2: right Good. so much of the criticism of this is about oh that's just so simplistic i mean all you have to do is change your thoughts and a mercedes is going to show up in your driveway the next morning and uh uh or the, what about the people in Zimbabwe, you know, who are starving? Uh, is, is, how does this apply to them? What is your response to that? Because Well, I,
3: there's, a difference, I... there's a difference between simple and simplistic. Truth mm-hmm. is simple. Truth is simple. And, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself is simple. But, you know, do, us, uh, do unto others as others would do unto you is simple. But it is the key to everything. And mm-hmm. as a man thinketh. I mean, it is what the Bible says. So right. the fact that love your neighbor, love your neighbor is the essence. So, the truth simply is simple and and it, I don't think the problem with for me for me the the problem with the secret is not that it makes it simple the the to me, the success of the secret is that it makes it simple. The only mm-hmm. problem I have with the secret is that it 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 does focus on material gain um, material uh, right. prosperity, and sort of leaves out that if you know it's like one of the things Wayne that I'm sure you can relate to there's a part of the movie. Uh, the Secret in the DVD where Jack Canfield talks about his $4.5 million house. Well, mm. I know Jack Canfield, and I know him well enough to know that a large part of his manifesting $4.5 million house has to do with the fact he's one of the nicest guys you've ever met.
2: Yes, that's so true. Mm.
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's so magnanimous, yeah. mm-hmm. like you. He's very generous professionally. I always noticed that. He's had such enormous success with chicken soup books but he's always been really Mm -hmm. there for others so you know that has something to do with it too and your karma is your karma you know the point is what you put out is what you get back if you put out positive thoughts that's Mm. great but there's no higher thought than loving other people i
2: agree uh, i i I think about though uh the people in well the the example of like the people in zimbabwe i remember doing a radio show in washington dc one time a call-in show and a man came on, and it was, uh, it was mostly an all-black audience in the inner city of Washington, D.C., and it was an all-black radio station as well. And I was on for one of my books. And somebody was calling in and criticizing and saying, well, that's easy for you to say, but uh, you don't know what our life is like and so on. And a doctor called in and said, I just want to confirm that you listened to this idea. He said, I grew up in Jamaica. I was the youngest of 12 children. Uh, We had absolutely nothing, but I had a notion, a vision that I could never escape from. It was like something that almost had me. I didn't have it, and it was that I was going to become a doctor. And everyone would always laugh at me, the idea of of becoming a doctor, living in this little village. We hardly even had enough clothes and food to to get out. He said, but I could never shake the image. And, And then he went through this long litany of things that he began to do, which acted upon this thought that uh, that being a physician is something that I'm going to do. And he finally got through school, got through high school. He uh, did, applied and got rejected at every single medical school in the United States. So he went to some kind of a special school over in Europe, and he was able to transfer his credits and blah, blah, blah. Today he's one of the most prominent physicians in the city of Washington, D.C., from Jamaica. And he said it all stemmed from this idea that I just couldn't let go of the... Uh, of the vision that I had within me. And then I was thinking about when I hear all of this criticism about the secret or whatever, that the people who are living in the worst of conditions are the ones who absolutely need to hear the message the most, that you do not have to be a product of, an, an, uh, you know, conditioned to a, a lifetime of being a drug addict or ending up in jail or being poor or whatever it might be, that it takes that kind of inner vision. These are the people who need to hear it the most.
3: Well, also, when you've shared enough about your own life story, I mean, the person who said to you it's easy for you to say, yeah, I mean, you're not exactly, you know, you weren't a trust fund baby, and you've made that very clear.
1: No,
2: that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I just think that the, that there's, the, you know, if somebody in Zimbabwe decides that they want to have a, a, a Mercedes in their driveway or whatever it might be, that the idea that that's something like that is absolutely, totally absurd. Um, you know, that the the timing might not be that it's going to be there tomorrow morning. But whatever it is that you put your attention on, if it's something that you just can't seem to let go of, that seems to, to own you. I gave the example in my, uh, in my PBS special of, uh, you know, of Arthur Miller, uh, the great playwright who at the age of 89 was interviewed in the New York Times, and they asked him, uh, uh, are you working on another play? And his answer was, I don't know. He said, but I probably am. Yeah. And almost as if he was assuming that uh, that there is something bigger than I am that is directing me. And, and I know this, cause Marianne, because you and I have had many talks about this. And ri- even right now, you're you're working on something that is uh, a book about miracles in, in midlife and so on that uh, that almost has you, doesn't it? It's, uh, well, it's don't not you feel that like... way?
3: I mean, when, when Arthur Miller said, I don't know, I mean, don't you? I always feel like you get pregnant with a book. You know, it lives yeah. inside of you. And then it, you have to wait until it's ready to be born. It, it, but not it, just
2: it, a it, book, though. I'm, I think, it you know, you and I happen to be writers and all of that, but it, it can be like a, with a piece of music. It can be with a, with adopting a child. It can be with, the, you know, uh, raising horses in Montana. I don't know. It can be with anything. Yeah, all it seems to be to... a big
3: creative, ongoing creative effort.
2: Yeah, and it, and it's almost as if, like I always said, motivation is when you get a hold of an idea and take it to its logical conclusion. But inspiration is when an idea gets a hold of you. And it takes you where you were intended to go when you first showed up here in this place or, well, or even we, before that.
3: That's what we were talking about earlier about the Tao and about spiritual surrender. It's not, dear God, do this or that for me. It's, dear God, how can I serve you? And I exactly. think that that's really where where you graduate from. How can I use spiritual principle to get me this or get me that? And you graduate to uh, spiritual principle, live in me, breathe in me, move in me, use me. Yeah. I, I, if If we can, I want to go back for a moment to Zimbabwe. Sure. I think that there's even a big, not a bigger, but there's also another uh, issue uh, besides, well, people in Zimbabwe can do this, too. It's that we can all do this to imagine a world in which people are not suffering in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Collective manifestation. Collect. I mean, we need to imagine a world. You know, it's not a failure of politics. It's a failure of imagina- imagination, that the human race, we need to imagine. A world without war. We don't. We can't even imagine mm. it yet. You know, I heard Dennis Kucinich say we have to challenge the belief that war is inevitable. Mm. You know, if we don't get rid of war, war will get rid of us. There's a one of my favorite quotes is from Einstein. He said, I don't know what kinds of weapons would be used to fight World War III, but I can assure you, World War IV would be fought with sticks and stones. Mm. And most of us, we think about it. Ahead yeah absolutely. If you think about it for a moment, World War three would would obliterate so much of the the species. It would do such almost irrevocable damage to the planet. The planet would you know have to throw us off for two hundred and fifty thousand years to purify itself as nuclear waste and yet we have a popular conversation and that includes things which could easily become that catastrophic catalyst so I think that we, we need so much now to be to, to exercise our imagination to man- to even imagine a world to, to, to use your mind, just like in the secret it talks about see the house you want or see the car you want. What if all of us were to take five minutes a day and just imagine a world in which the world there is no right? unnecessary mm-hmm. human suffering? That should be our goal: is the amelioration of and the eradication of unnecessary human suffering. That's the big game, and it's time for us to have a to start playing the big game. I know I heard Deepak once talk about how we need a new story, and that's how I feel about the whole species. We need a new story now, and that's of a generation that is somehow that stops the Titanic. Just while it's, we're making a beeline for the for the iceberg here, and turn.
2: It I Getting rid of the concept of enemy—that's that's right out of the Tao as well. You know, Lao Tzu said that that, uh, that those—even he said—even said, if you go to war, the people who will emerge victorious are the ones who have no enemies. I want
3: to the, say something uh, that. Two things I heard. Ahead. There was a German physicist who said we should not think think of other nations as foreign nations. We should think of them as domestic partners. Right. That really mm. blew me away. And the other mm. one was I was watching a television special once <clears throat> where. It was about the D-Day invasion. And when the when the invasion started, Roosevelt got on the radio and he announced it to the country. And he led a prayer. And in his speech, do you know what he called the Nazis? No. This will blow you away. When you think we have a president now, you know, talks about the evildoers, mm. etc. Right. You know, really exacerbating mm. that whole enemy consciousness. Mm. Roosevelt referred to the Nazis as, quote-unquote, unworthy men. Mm. Isn't that profound?
2: Just yes, it is. We don't yes. have to go
3: any further mm. than that. Mm. Watch your language. Unworthy men. Right. See, that, that says it. That says
2: it. Yeah. yeah the Native Americans, always oh, they had a wonderful uh, observation. They said, no tree has branches so foolish as to fight among themselves.
3: If you would like to hear more of Dr. Dyer's radio show, tune in to HayHouseRadio.com. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit HayHouse.com. Thank you for listening.